for once, in terms of Carlos signs, you absolutely have to hand it to him. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. What's the old phrase? you got to give it the old college try. Yeah. Boy, did he give it the college try. Got to give him that. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 468 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. Glad you could be with us as always. This is the first block of a triple header set of tapings. We are in for the long haul on this one because we have a lot of motorsport to get through over this past weekend. Some good, some bad, some harrowing some in between it's been a lot fucking terrifying oh, yeah it's it, it's been a long old weekend um an emotional roller coaster to say the least but i can happily say one of the best f1 races we've had so far this year i'd, I, say, I'd, so. Think, I, I'd say so this was a I, I would say a very good f1 race i'd you know it's one of the better ones i would say this was a fun grand prix like this was like Monza has no business normally being this good, and it was a very good Italian Grand Prix, and uh, it makes me feel a little bit better about what we're getting into here because, uh, god damn it, Ferrari tried. They really, really tried to get a home dub. Like it's arguably the closest anyone's gotten to stopping Red Bull so far this season, and it still didn't come up. Yeah, God yeah. Well, there was no, there was no end point in this timeline where Ferrari won this race. But damn it, they tried. The, an effort was made. Right, let's go around the horn real quick. First of all, Mister RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. How's it going? Well, despite what many have said about other drivers in the past on this program, uh, there is actually one perfect ten out of ten in the world of Formula One. And what is it? Um, it's Max Verstappen. It's the longest winning streak for an individual driver in the history of the sport. It's a clean sweep of every European round on the championship. This never happened. We talked to pre-war racing legend Ryan Ryan Eric King King about this. Racing historian, and he's, it's like his eyes went wide when he went back and looked. Like, yeah, no one even did that before Formula One was Formula One. Yeah. Pre-World War II, even at the height of the Silver Arrows. Alfa Romeo was always good to for like one BS win a year. Yeah, back when it was called the European Championship. Literally, the European Championship. Before what we called it Formula One in 1950, no one has ever clean swept Europe. I'd also love that Jason in our chat went asterisk on Baku. Debate amongst yourselves if a Baku counts as a European Ferrari. (laughs) Formula One considers it a flyaway round. Right. But but where is, but who sanctions you at uh, Azerbaijan's uh, football federation? I don't know. Good question. Jason, get on Uh, that. it's, Uh, it's, It's UEFA. So, so, that- so, okay. At the oh. very least, they have swept, Max Verstappen and Red Bull swept all of the eight traditional Western to Central European rounds of a Formula One season. Oh, and also, no matter what, it's not for disputing, Max Verstappen won 10 Formula One races in a row. The longest streak ever. Um, 
And indeed, uh, Red Bull has now won 15 consecutive Grand Prix, which wipes out the technical legitimate record. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was 14 from 52 to 53 done by Ferrari. It didn't count as the actual record because of the Indy 500, but let's be real, no Formula One teams actually ran that with Formula One cars. Right. So... That's that's Cam Buckley, by the way. Always Hi. a pleasure to have him on. Um, yeah, uh, new internet router, Cam Buckley. Yeah, so his internet's now four times better than mine. I'm extremely jealous. Um, I ran the speed test while. I, so, for those who don't know, my room has the worst internet coverage in the house because it is across and diagonal from my internet gateway, my internet router. Mm. I'm clocking about 400 megabits per second in here. Like, I got 70 in the UK, and that's like. Pretty good for for English internet, let me tell you. But uh, yeah, it's been I've a lot. I've actually ever saw what you know I pay for. Right, so that's a thing. Um, but yeah, fifteen straight wins for Red Bull. Twenty four out of the last twenty five since since the regulation <laughs> change in the middle of last season. Thanks, Mercedes. Thanks, Mercedes. You're the best. More on them later. We'll talk about some of the back and forth comments between them and Red Bull. We'll also talk a little about, of course, Ferrari and trying to stick it to the hots. And we're going to talk a little bit about Williams as well, because we have American interest in this show. And uh, Logan Sargent is stinking up the joint. More on that in a bit. Uh, so all of that in the next 45 minutes or so. But in the meantime, places you can find us real quick. Our website, motorsport101.com is where you can find us, as well as bonus content, because I also did three whole race reviews, three of them things Dude, on you F1. Were, you were grinding that. Oh, God. I, I had to juggle that. I, I written piece for WTF1, because I, I, I have a post-race column that Charlie grants me every, after every race. God bless her soul. Um, so I've been very busy the last two or three days. Absolutely fucking rammed, but I've enjoyed every minute. So thank you. Thanks to everyone who continues to read them. I do really appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, Formula 1 on Italy is in there as a race review. Obviously, MotoGP Catalonia, which is a very different sort of format if you listen or read that one. More on that in our next episode. And, of course, IndyCar and Alex Polo's coronation. One of the biggest IndyCar ones I've ever done, actually, because there was a lot of interesting stuff in there about uh, Romain Grosjean and the leader circle, which we'll talk about more in the Portland episode. That's a very intriguing fight. There's a lot of consequences this year, more than ever, regarding that leader circle, which we'll get into. So all of the weekend's action is reviewed. And if you want extra, extra takes from me, it's all over there on the website section. Um, um, check the blog motorsport101.com you can check follow us on patreon patreon.com forward slash motorsport101 and if you'd like to follow us on our social media you can at motorsport underscore 101 on twitter our personal handles at dre underscore wtf1 at rj o'connell and at c buckley 917 you can follow us all on there because also on instagram as well motorsport101 pod for all our updates when new episodes drop you can follow us on there to find out when they do so Without further ado, let's get into the Tifosi, the 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 Scuderia, the the prancing haunts for the Italian Grand Prix. You want to talk about haunts or bulls haunts or junior bulls haunts? Sometimes <laughs> Yuki Sonoda can't catch a break. Anyway, Carl Sainz. Give that man a hug. 
Carlos Sainz won the pole <laughs> for the Italian Grand Prix, and he took the fight to Red Bull almost single-handedly. By he took the pole by just 13 milliseconds, and then he led the first 14 laps of the race itself. But eventually, on lap 15, he locked his front tires going into the first chicane, and eventually. He would concede the lead to Master Stappen. For Stappen would then lead reasonably comfortably to win the race by over six seconds over Sergio Perez, who popped back from fifth to finish second. And Sainz desperately held off Leclerc to take his first podium of 2023. Before we get into uh, just talking more about Master Stappen's record, the significance, some of the pettiness around it, what'd you make about Ferrari's fight for the lead? Because Let's be real. On this show, anytime Ferrari is the main subject of a segment, it is usually not flattering, such as the time that they forgot the tires on a pit stop for tires. That was the last time. That was Mm -hmm. literally last race. Yeah, one week ago. Um, Yeah. Want to know what is startling, in fact? Those 14 laps that Carlos Sainz led now puts him third on the list of most laps led for drivers this season. Well, who do the top two drive for? Oh, I wonder. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, <sighs> he gave it the, he, he's, he was given it all she's got, Captain. You I have go, to respect the college try. I, I can go one further. Um, amazingly, I think only 48 racing laps all season have been led by anybody other than a Red Bull. Dear God. Oscar Piastri joined the list with one at this past weekend. One. He's, he's on, on the, the board. He's on the board. Like, and Lewis Hamilton killed him for it. Yeah, shout out to Charlie WTF for putting out this list. Here's the list of laps led. I'll go in reverse order so far this season. Oscar Piastri, one. Fernando Alonso, three. Lando Norris, five. George Russell, six. Lewis Hamilton, seven. By the way, this is for the whole season, not just this race, <laughs> the whole season. Lewis Hamilton, the, 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 arguably the greatest F1 driver that's ever walked this earth, has led seven laps all year. Seven. Charles Leclerc, 12. Carlos Sainz, 14. That was the 14 he led in this very race, which, by the way, is, like I said, is the most anybody has led against the Red Bull in any race so far this year. Sergio Perez, 138. Bit of a jump, um, safe to say. Max Verstappen, 661. Yeah. <laughs> out, of a, out of a potential 847 laps, he has led... We'll do the quick calculations, but that, that to me reads like more than 75% of all laps. That, uh, As a matter of fact, 78% of all laps run this season. Yeah, 799 out of 847 have been led by a Red Bull. Mother of God. That's um, how dominant Red Bull has been all year. It, it kind of just, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if you thought that Carlos Sainz Jr. was a disappointment just because he was the one driver on a good team that hadn't been on the podium all year, well, he's got the podium. He's now ahead of Charles Leclerc in the driver's standings. I know Leclerc has generally been quicker all throughout the season, but Sainz hasn't been a disappointment. He's been he's been very game. This was one of his better drives since he's come along at Ferrari, I'd say. Probably his best is what I would say. I mean, look, I don't necessarily condone all of his racecraft. He, I, I like to think that he uh, had the hat trick of uh, dirty tactics. Um, turned it under braking. Weaving, um, and then running somebody off the road. 
um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the holy trinity of uh, dirty driving, in my humble opinion. But look, if you're a race steward, are you clapping for a with a penalty at Monza? No, I don't not think if I, Not if I want to make it home. Dude, it is crazy. This might be the one weekend where everybody was pulling for a for a whole lot of FIA Rari, Ferrari International assistance, if only to give us a different result. Right. Like if, if, if Ferrari gets penalized in Monza, it's gonna be more interrogation for that person than watching C SPAN. Like it's not happening, okay? Like <laughs> it's it's it's, it's it, like, it, it ain't happening. I mean, look, so, I'm I, I don't want to be too harsh on Ferrari here because this was still, without question, their best weekend of the year. They qualified on yeah, pole. Yeah. You know, the top three was within 0. 0.06 of a second. Signs drove as hard as I've ever seen him drive to get that podium. He earned it. No one can take that away from him. He yeah. absolutely drove as hard as he could to get that podium. So that's what you want from a Ferrari driver in, in, in their own backyard. He gave it a, a proper effort. I still think they might have goosed Leclerc by having signs butcher his tires so much by driving as hard as he did. I do worry that I think they were so obsessed and enamored in the moment of signs doing everything he could to, to delay the inevitable that they forgot their second, arguably faster driver was right behind them doing niche and just waiting for the race to come to him and it never did. I do wonder if Leclerc might have been able to hold on for second if they had actually swapped him. But I do acknowledge there is no way on God's green earth Carlos Sainz is giving up track position at Monza. Not a well, chance. That was all they, I, I mean, it was their best race of the year, but you would hope so given they brought a Monza special. Their car already is good at basically nothing but driving in a straight line and low-speed corner balance. And yep. those are the two things you need here. And then Ferrari doubled that by cutting off all their wing. They yep. had easily the smallest front rear wing here. Tiny. And then they and then they cranked their power units up. Oh yeah, they they were faster than Red Bull in a straight line. The, 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 did we joke about they were running we half as it, much wing? Yeah, we joke about them not. We we call them the Honda Motor Company and not for nothing. Um, we joke about <laughs> that regularly on this show. They were five miles an hour faster than Red Bull in the speed traps in race trim. It was, uh, in the words of Kevin Walsh, um, we don't call it the Honda Motor Company for nothing versus aerodynamics are for people who can't build engines. <laughs> what a fight. Um, unfortunately, the Honda Motor Company won because, well, there wasn't a whole lot that Sainz could have done. Either he drove to the tires and he gets passed earlier, or he butchers the tires and Max bullies him into a lockup because that's exactly what happened. Right. Um, I mean, Max probably could have forced the issue earlier on, but that probably would have resulted in another instance of turn one Monza rule 34. No exceptions. <laughs> Nose down, gearbox up. Um, uh, but instead, he waited. Uh, yeah, like, it's just, well, you could, like, Max is still, look, he is driving at such a level where, like, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but, like, lap four of the race, where Max is back in Sainz's DRS range. He's watching Sainz from a distance, and he just goes on there, and he goes he, just, he goes to GB, and he just goes, yeah, I could already see Sainz sliding around on these rear tires. It's only going to be a matter of time. And he just sits there and waits for the mistake to happen, and it did. Lap 15, locks up into turn one, locks the fronts, opens the door on the exit into the Curva Grande, and that was it. Game over. You just got to be perfect to beat this dude. 
you got to be driving it, above it, perfect it, it speed. Didn't even, well, it wouldn't have mattered because he just he drove up behind signs and more or less just forced him to. He was either going to use up his tires or lose the position. And signs to, chose to use up the tires. And that's a choice that Ferrari made. Their only play was track position. And yeah. even that wasn't enough because when Max got by, oh, my God, he dropped him out of DRS in about a lap. Yeah, he, he, we were screaming on our Discord as we were watching this race. Box Leclerc force they Red couldn't. Bull. Yeah, they like, couldn't. They didn't have a. Um, they didn't have a, a slot to put him into. Leclerc and Signs would have been bounced out into traffic around the Haas's. it's it's brutal because no play. It was brutal because you're screaming at him because the Signs was eight tenths a lap slower once his tires were gone and Max was in front. Like it, it went to show you just how far over the limit signs was going just to stay in front. And by the time that Max got by, Max knowing how good his tire wear is, he can he could have gone as long as he wanted before going onto the hard tire. They brought the softest compound tires to Monza, thinking it might just be a two stopper, and it still wasn't a two stopper at Monza. Mm-hmm. Hey, it could have been for some of them, but it was never going to be for the Red Bulls. And same deal with uh, Perez. I mean, I don't think Ferrari had a play to keep second because Perez just went barreling towards them near the end of the race. Yeah, but to be um, fair, and then to Perez's credit, this was probably his best race weekend he's had since Baku. That was a very solid bit of race-based work from Perez there. He was competitive. He was fast enough. Yeah, the, the, the stat sheet looked a little bit better for him because Max was nursing a car issue towards the end of the race, which brought him to within six seconds. It was in hand for Max, but um, that was a better weekend. From like, That's the sort of weekend where if, if Checker keeps doing that, he's not going to have a problem. It's that simple. That's all he has to do. Yeah, yeah it's all he has they to do. They need the happy medium between the guy who's going to be so fast that he's causing problems in the team because we all know where Red Bull's bread is buttered. Of course. Um and between the guy who is, you know, barely scoring points in the car. Right. Because there's been way too many instances of Perez this year not making Q3 in that thing. Yes. And, uh, yeah, qualifying still a bit ropey, but Perez did what he needed to do. Got past Russell, got past the Ferraris, took a comfortable second. Can't ask for any more than that, um, realistically speaking. So fair play to him on that one. A side note, we almost had the uh, climax of the – Haunts arc where those two Ferraris went to war for the final position on the podium. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> it was fun right up until the point where I saw Leclerc lock up on the final lap and nearly run signs over. Oh. And that would have been the end of the Haunts arc. Can I just say, Fred Vassar is my favorite team principal in Formula One because Fred was watching that and just said, let them fight. Um, <laughs> uh, no, what, what, I, uh, I wouldn't go that far because they got a pit message down the, the uh, main straight going, no risk, let's carry to the end. And then Leclerc immediately almost locked up into sides. Well, what, what, what's the French for? Risk! As he hits the brakes going into the final lap and then almost goes into the back of sides and takes them both out. No like, risks to the end. Cowabunga it is. <laughs> hey, hey, now, that is, that is future uh, Monaco Eurosport, Eurovision representative Charles Leclerc. Oh, I another thing this. he can qualify first for and then lose. Yeah, like, uh, Monaco what? are now eligible for the Eurovision Song Contest, and apparently Charles was like, I'm ready, uh, which I thought was great. <laughs> and, um, that, was, that was great content right there from uh, Charles. <laughs> where, where is the French representative joining us from? I can't tell. Is it Paris? 
Might, might be the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, okay. I, 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 I hear it's in Paris. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, sh- props to Fred for letting them fight. I, I yeah. love that. It was great entertainment. Um, and I'm glad that everybody enjoyed it like even leclerc was like it's really that was really fun i don't think the the defosi enjoyed that as much as i did but um, but they enjoyed it and signs said, look it like signs was incredibly kind he was like look it's a privilege to be able to fight charles on track when we, when we get a chance to it doesn't happen very often uh but when it does it it's 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 a, it's a privilege to be able to do it and uh they, I, I'll be real with you. I watched the replays. I do think signs went over the limit in defending that, but the stewards, they're not going to clock you for a, for a teammate clash. That's just generally. Maybe they will enough. if it's Ferrari and Monza. If you crash the other Ferrari off, maybe you will get in trouble. <laughs> Piastri hit Norris in that race as well, and the stewards were like, ah, fuck it, let it go. Uh, we, we, we ain't touching this. Um, <laughs> so maybe it's a bit of that, but again, I... I I've already, I already really like Fred Vassar. I've got a lot of time for him as a team principal. He's, he's one of these no nonsense, no bullshitters. He always kind of tells it as it is, and, I, and in in this game, it, it that actually goes a lot further than you think. More on that very shortly. Um, but uh, yeah, props to letting them fight. You know, I actually liked their special Monza gear as well. I thought that was that was fun. A nice tribute to the uh, brilliant Le Mans winning WEC hypercar team as well, which was very cool. Um, in in general. General and yeah, good for Ferrari. Like, look, this sport is more fun when Ferrari is good. I've said this a thousand times. Ferrari taps into that emotion of being an F1 fan more than I think any other team does in this sport. When Ferrari is good, shit is more interesting. Uh, give me more of that. And hey, don't look now. Ferrari's overtaken Aston Martin. They're now third in the constructors' championship. They oh, might. Gee, I, uh, whoop-de-doo. They now are merely two positions off where they sh- should be with their resources rather than one, rather than look, three. Look, b- b- a bird in the hand, Cam. Bird in the hand. you got to take these where you can get it because Aston Martin were fucking nowhere this weekend. Oh, no. <laughs> one Aston Martin was Alonso, trying its best. Uh, Alonso, that was Alonso's equal worst finish of the year in ninth. But we kind of expected that at Monza, unlike Hungary. It's a draggy car. It was never going to do well at Monza. Like On the they, other hand, Lance Stroll was a minute and twenty-seven off the win. Lance Stroll is making it impossible to defend. No, I agree. Like, like he has been, dude. Given given in context, because we're going to talk about a driver later who at least has the excuse of being a rookie. Mm. Um, I mean, look at Liam Lawson. Liam Lawson has been in Formula One for one race. Two races. He already looks better. One and a half. One and a half. Zanvoort was him in for one soaking wet session and a qualifying he had no prep for. Did you see the dive he put in on on Kevin Magnussen? That was was ballsy. That that was Daniel Ricciardo range. I was like, holy shit. Okay. I'm already like... I'm impressed. Do, do I already rate Liam Lawson higher than Lance Stroll? And it's been one and a half races. <laughs> Bro, Cam, again, as, and we'll talk about this in the IndyCar special. Hashtag watch Super Formula. Hashtag watch Super. It's more on that later. A lot oh, more yeah. on that later. But oh, uh, yeah, Lance. Bro, 
Maybe it maybe it might be better if he takes up tennis. Yeah, Liam uh, Wilson was 11th on the day. His, this was his first full F1 weekend, and he was 11th and only, I think, eight seconds out of the points. Brilliant effort, better. Liam. Yuki Brilliant deserved effort. so much better. Not to I, need to give Yuki Tsunoda, I need to give Yuki Tsunoda a hug, uh, uh, chocolate, and like a, a Super Nintendo loaded up with some F-Zero. It's uh, just no, just like give him a Super Nintendo with one of those ever drives where you could just like load every Super Nintendo game on a one cartridge with an SD card. Uh, just, no, because then you don't know what to play because you have too much to play. Right, yeah, yeah, like, that's true. It's everything for Yuki Sonoda after the summer break has been a complete write off. Uh, it's it's, been, it's been, not, it hasn't been on him. And it's and nope. none of it has been on him. Absolutely fucking brutal luck for Sonoda since the summer breaks come back because all this is doing is making his job security worse. Like because Lawson is now like Lawson is as advertised. Like the way it's going so far, you could not mm-hmm. have asked for a better debut for Liam Lawson. There's no than way they could drop you to Sonoda based on performance. If they like, do, yeah, Bulls, Bulls Racing is on crack. Well, and if, I you love ask, team if you ask if you ask certain people in our Discord, he's a dead man walking. Well, that's the problem. Like, you like we are now in a difficult situation where three into two doesn't go because what was the point of bringing back Daniel Ricciardo if it was only going to be for half a season to see if he was good enough to stick around? And it looks like to, to see if he's good enough for the Red Bull drive. Because again, they've lost faith in Checo. Because if they had, if they hadn't lost any faith in Checo, they wouldn't be entertaining this notion. But <laughs> here we are. <laughs> we'll probably relitigate this again in a couple of weeks. But we know we don't need to relitigate the fact that Max Verstappen is on the greatest individual run in the sports history. 47th career win, 10 in a row, a new Formula One World Championship record, the 15th straight for Red Bull Racing as a team, extending their record, the longest record in any Formula One scenario. No Indy 500 asterisks required. That was good. They're, like, they're, like that. They're, they're was not just—they're not just breaking records. They're wiping them out of the books. Right. At this, this, this is the. Like, we are almost certainly now in the range of this is the greatest individual F one season we've ever watched. This is. We're in outrageous. range that they're going to do it. Yeah, they're the going pedof- to climb over that fence. A Singapore safety car might be the only thing that stops them now. Like, oh no! But if that happens, they'll just crash gate Checo in return. Oh yeah. Whoa. <laughs> a soul for a soul. Now, I feel like I'll do some explaining here because I wanted to mention this because there's been a lot of petty salt beef in a, in a, and spam in a jar regarding <laughs> this weekend. Now, going into this weekend, Lewis Hamilton did an interview with um, the Italian branch of Sky Sports, and he, he out of nowhere, mentioned that uh, his teammates were better than Max Verstappen's in their respective careers. You know, comparing obviously Alonso, Heike Kovalainen. and we don't forget Heike around here. We're not doing Heike. We do not forget Super GT champion Heike Kovalainen or Jensen Button for that matter. Right, you know Jensen, of course. You know Nico Rosberg, and of course Valtteri Bottas, and now George Russell. Uh, yeah. Compared to Max Verstappen, set of teammates. So we're talking Carlos Sainz, Daniel Ricciardo, Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly, and now Sergio Perez. Um, Verstappen. Because I've said it many a time, Verstappen has never seen a fight that he feels like he can't pour some gasoline on. Uh, called Hamilton jealous 
of his success and said, you should look in the mirror and at some point you've got to acknowledge us like he's like he's a, a white version of Roman Reigns um, in, 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 in response to that. And uh, then after the race was over, when uh, Ted Kravitz kind of bait, which I must admit is surprising for Ted Kravitz because he, he took time out of his busy schedule of stirring the Abu Dhabi 2021 drum to ask Toto, well, you got to hand it to him for 10 straight wins, right? Right, Toto? Right, Toto? And then he was like... I got, I got the quote right here. Our oh, situation so was maybe a little bit different, of course, referring to the Mercedes run of dominance in the last decade, because we had two drivers fighting against each other within the team. Wolf told Sky Sports when asked about Verstappen's record after the Italian Grand Prix. I don't know whether he, Verstappen, cares about the record. It's not something that would be important for me, any of those numbers. It's for Wikipedia, and nobody reads that anyway. First of all, Toto, with all due respect, as a as a Wikipedia article editor and creator, uh, you're wrong here. Uh, us, neurodiver- us neurodivergent racing fans love us some Wikipedia. Hey, hey, can can I just up, say, hang on. Do you have any idea how down bad you have to be to reach the conclusion that actually winning is for nerds? So that's basically <laughs> what he was implying. Wikipedia, Wikipedia is the seventh most. Shout out to Luke Smith at the Athletic for pointing this out in my direction. I do respect that. I have a lot of time for Luke Smith, one of the best in the biz. Luke Smith at the Athletic said Wikipedia is the seventh most visited website on earth. It's in the top 10, and it's not number 10. Maybe it was meant to be a compliment. Like. Because like, you're implying that only nerds will look at Wikipedia to figure out the max. No, this, this is full of nerds. You know how many gatekeeping bros are just like, if you're not a diehard motorsports nerd, you don't even need to be engaging. Oh, you're a real Formula One fan? Who's the first driver to win 10 races? Uh, Jackie yeah. Chan. Wait, no, sorry. Father <laughs> of the Year, Jackie Chan. Sarcastic quotes. Uh, By that by that same logic, they really should stop caring about Abu Dhabi twenty one because eight championships is just a Wikipedia nerd stat. You realize how stupid that sounds? It's ridiculous. This was the same weekend that Mercedes mentioned on social media this was Lewis Hamilton's three hundredth Q three appearance. Somebody kept track of that, and that's worth keeping track of because that's an incredible statistic. Right. All this is good. Like, Like. You do realize that like, like Mercedes did a deal with Automobilista to literally sell a poster with all of Lewis Hamilton's career statistics when he won his 100th Grand Prix at Sochi in 2021, right? At right? where? Uh, the uh, the poster site. Um, Automobilista, I think it's called something like uh, that. No, no, no. But where did he win that race in 2021? Doesn't exist. Um, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, but I yeah, got some this, other... track was, this track was invented by a writer. I got some more quotes uh, from my friends at Race Fans uh, about Total saying, uh, for me, these kinds of records are completely irrelevant. They're irrelevant, they're irrelevant in our good days of Mercedes. I don't know how many races we won in a row. I didn't even know there, there was a count on how many races in a row you win. Therefore, asking me for commenting on some achievement is difficult because it never played a role in my own life. It's yesterday. But the result itself shows that a great driver and a great car are competing on an extremely high level. I think they need to screw it up themselves in order to not win every race this season. That's a record that I would say is a good one because that is perfection. Okay, so he's saying that, like, a perfect season would be more impressive and, like, yeah, no shit. It's a perfect season. And here's the thing. You know, Toto's saying that's irrelevant because... They never did it. 
They yeah. screwed up each chance they had the opportunity to do so. And it was on Mercedes. Through 2014 to 2016, the only races that they realistically lost to another team outdoing them were probably two of the three that Ferrari won in 2015. Malaysia, because yeah, they were burning out their tires too quick for their pace to matter. And Singapore, where they were just out to lunch all weekend. Allow me to set the stage here. Mercedes, you caused this. <laughs> the political wrangling last year, we know Red Bull's cheating. We know how they're cheating. We've submitted it to the FIA and the FIA are adjusting the rules. And that that bullet went right between Red Bull's legs and through Ferrari's kneecaps. Right. Red Bull have won... Um, <clears throat> 24 of the last 25 since that happened. And the one they didn't, they screwed up the setup in Brazil last year. And Mercedes won, which, of course, gaslit Mercedes into keeping the zero pods for this season, which has worked out swimmingly. Yeah, that's It's your fault! That This is a team that's fundamentally botched this entire set of regulations from the start. They've gotten it completely wrong. They had to sacrifice Lewis Hamilton's season last year to try and fix the problem. They got a technical directive change for the middle of the summer break last year, and they've won one Grand Prix since then. And you don't need a wind tunnel to see it. All it did was cripple everyone but Red Bull. Look, I've said this a hundred times, and this is my personal take on all of this. Stats are important. Stats are cool. Stats help tell the stories of the, of the legacies of these drivers that are so great and what make this sport what it is. I'm a feud Sebastian Vettel fan. Everybody knows that if, if they know me well enough to know that. You cannot talk about the legacy of that man without talking about the nine races in a row he won at the back end of 2013. That is an iconic part of the man's legacy. It will, it will likely never be forgotten because at the time we had never seen anything like it. Yes, half the field had their, had half an eye on 2014. I'm not I'm not acknowledging or erasing that part of the story. But, but it's more than pace, isn't it, Dre? Of course, it's, it's pace, execution. It's execution, it's luck to a degree, it's it's just strategy. You need so many things to go right. Formula 1 is a sport where there are 150 different ways you can lose a race and there's only one way you can win one. And That's in the this nature 10 of this race sport. streak they have Red Bull has had everything thrown at them despite their overwhelming car, which may go down as the greatest Formula One car ever devised. They've had rain, they've had sun, they've had strategy goof ups, they've had they've been spot- on the back foot. They've been in on Monaco, the back foot. In Monaco, Aston should have had them dead to rights in the changing conditions, and Aston botched it and Red Bull called it perfectly. A bird was stuck in Max Verstappen's brake duct in Canada. You know, like Silverstone could have easily gone another way if it rained a little bit harder. You know, like that, like Zandvoort could have easily gone fifteen different ways, given how spontaneous that rain was. Like it takes. Like oh. let's not forget the other Red Bull, Sergio Perez, botched his race off because he was the first guinea pig into that wet zone. Yeah, that could have it, easily been Max. <laughs> it's not just the pace, and don't get me wrong, fast a faster car papers over a lot of cracks sure but i've said it before on this show that that knockdown drag out whether you consider it legitimate or not 2021 title fight 
it's honed Red Bull into an ab- operational wrecking machine. While they it's are exposed, and they've exposed the weaknesses on the operational side of every other team on the grid. Yeah, they are. They have been perfect in their virtually perfect in their execution. Oh, oh Max the had a through. sticky front left on his pit stop for this race. It was only a two point seven. Oh no! What what a hardship! <laughs> what, what what a struggle! No, this is the best F one team in a single season we've ever seen, yep. without question. And honestly. Like, and I say this as a man who I'm a huge fan of. Lewis Hamilton knows exactly what he's doing. Of course he does. And he's been doing the thing is right. I love Lewis, right? And a lot of Twitter people will will think that I'm not, or that I don't like the man for this. The man's made petty comments uh, multiple times in his career. The worst. I've said it for years. Like the worst thing you can say about Lewis Hamilton is that sometimes he's a bad loser. Many many times he's a bad loser, and that's okay. If the worst thing you can say about a guy is that they're a bad loser, they're a pretty good human being, yeah. is what I would like yeah. to think. I but just don't, think don't, just don't sit there and tell me that something isn't happening when it is, because Lewis has more or less been making comments about this nonstop for the last year and a half, ever since right. we realized, oh, actually, the W13 is a dog. Right. And, and like, you, you, I, I, Lewis knows better than this. Like, Lewis is 40 years old in just over a year's time. You are too grown to be coming out with these sort of petty statements, man. Like, yes, we know you've had hard opposition. We know you've had... I I personally think, yeah, he's had the stronger teammates. No one's arguing with you there. But you've also got to acknowledge the fact that Mercedes and McLaren were all trying to build super teams. They, they they were deliberately trying to go for best driver available. You look at the history of McLaren as a team. That's the way they've built themselves to be as a car. You could go back to Lauder and Prost, Prost and Senna, Coulthard and Hakkinen, you know, Montoya and Raikkonen. You could go to Hamilton and Button, Hamilton and Alonso, Alonso and Button. They've had brilliant teams. They don't like. They don't have a general one-two driver policy. They haven't had that for a long time. Maybe only now with Piastri and Norris, and that's rightly so because Norris is brilliant. But for the most part, they've had one-two structures. Red Bull are the complete opposite to that. Like Red Bull, they are traditional built- Ferrari. You have yeah. one driver who gets all the focus, and the other guy is support. And that's always not, been the case with Red Bull. Yeah. Do not get me wrong. It's not worked out for them in many ways and in many attributes over their brief history as a Formula One team. It, I'd argue it's done them more harm than good in some cases, like like Daniel Ricciardo being alienated, the Gasly and Albon experiments, alienating Sebastian Vettel to the point of leaving the moment the car was not so good anymore. You know, like everybody it, for years, everybody has thought like all this time it should be Verstappen and signs at Red Bull. Right, and it never worked out because Signs was what too fast. Well, what would you think would be happening to Signs right now if he was at Red Bull? Because the yeah. problem is right now, we talked about this in our Discord yesterday. You have a couple drivers who I think you could plug in, your Leclerc's, your Hamilton's, probably Norris. Sure. Who would cause dissent in that team because they'd be too fast. Pretty much everyone else, I feel like, would get eaten alive by Max right now. It's and crazy. it's it leaves Red Bull in a position where, I mean, there's the rumblings. There's rumblings that Perez wants to leave of his own volition Ooh. because he's the odd man out. And that, yeah. put, that puts Red Bull in kind of a weird situation of being overwhelmingly dominant, 
best driver, best car, best team. Who do they slot into that second seat? I don't know. I, I think it'd be crazy. You know, one th- other thing that I thought about, uh, it's been 25 years since Nigel Mansell was battling chicken pots and his substitute driver accidentally stumbled into breaking McLaren's perfect run in 1988. That was John Louis Schlesser, by the way. Mm. Uh, it only took that divine intervention from Enzo Ferrari's ghost taking the wheel of that Williams. That's about the only thing that would interrupt a perfect season. Like right. championships are settled. Like I'm they curious to can, see Red Bull can win the constructors next race. They do have a win condition. What? Wow. If they if they go perfect and Mercedes scores less than two points, they will win the constructors title. Bruh, it's September. I say this knowing that like, yes, Michael Schumacher has wrapped up championships in July. But like, come on. <laughs> that was also on a, a far more unforgiving point system. Yes. But the fact that someone under the 25-point system with added points for sprints can win a title, a shortened season, let's not forget, because we didn't they race in race. Imola. We, lo- we lost two races. We didn't race in China either. We lost two races on the original on the I don't original know calendar. if we were ever expecting to actually race in China. Well, it was on the calendar. It counts. We lost two races. This is meant to be a 24-race season. We actually ended up going down to 22 because okay. of Imola's cancellation and China getting chalked off because of their COVID policy. And they're going to win the title likely in September. What? <sighs> yeah. One, yeah. two, plus fastest lap. Uh, and if Mercedes scores less than two points, they will be crown constructors next time out, which is just a statistical anomaly. Right. Absolutely this whole season terrifying. is a statistical anomaly. Um, in summary... I feel like Mercedes should probably have their heads down and working a little bit more considering how absolutely turbo ass they were here. If you want more thoughts from me on this, I wrote something about it on the WTF1 website. Uh, my DRE post is on that. And in, it's towards the end, I, I make the point that this is what happens when one team was won 24 out of the last 25 Grand Prix and the other team is actually having to do the chase in for the first time in a decade. This like it's records are a lot easier to dismiss when you're not the one breaking them. And Mercedes knows exactly what it's doing. It's trying to fight a war using the press and using the most popular driver in F1 history as a shield because they know it's Lewis Hamilton and they should know better. Than, than is what I would say because they know exactly what they're doing and I think their comments come off as, as salty to be honest with you. I'm not saying that you've got to go out of your way to be gracious or you've got to hand it to them. Of course you're not. Like, But at the same time, just coming out with bullshit like, like oh, like this just, is just, just, just a Wikipedia record. If you would have gone 10 wins in a row, you'd have plastered it all over your social media, left, right, and center, because that's what you do to get attention and gain fans. We're not stupid. Do not take us for stupid, okay? We're intelligent fans, and a lot of us use Wikipedia to tell the stories that we tell. It's an important... It's, a, it's, it's one of the most important resources we have. In yeah, we're, not, we're not out here showing for Wikipedia, by the way. We're not out here doing a pledge drive, by the way. We're just like saying, like, yeah. It's, hey, we, it's, we uh, use this. A lot of people use this. Most of the world uses it. Yeah. Don't tell... Don't piss on our heads and call it rain. 
That's my line. Uh, let's talk about Williams before we get out of here. Yeah, let's okay. talk about the team, the most upwardly mobile team in Formula One. More yeah. points on the board. Alex Albon went back-to-back in the points for the first time in his career as a Williams driver. Seventh place on the day for, for Alex Albon. Six more points. It puts them 10 ahead of Haas in the fight for seventh, which might that's, be a game. That's Le- that is LeBrover. That, that might be game in the fight for seventh right there because they've now got 21 points on the year. All 21 have come from Alex Albon. Haas are now 10 behind on 11 points. However, on the other end, Logan Sargent finished 13th. He was running in the points for a good chunk of this race. He he, he, he couldn't he couldn't deal with Valtteri Bottas behind him, who was running the reverse medium strategy. Also, by the way, shout out to, to Bottas for finishing 10th. A priceless point for Alfa Romeo in, in their fight. In, in, it's in all that. in the livery, Dre. It's, it's all in the Alfa Stradale tribute livery. Um, because... Uh, as we, as we say in this house, in, in life, you bet on black. Anyway, um, <laughs> with all that in mind, Sergeant finished 30. He actually clattered into Valtteri Bottas while trying to defend against him and got a time penalty for his trouble. Ended up 13th in the end. Sergeant has just failed to score a point after 14 starts where Alex Albon is uh, crushing it right now in a Williams. Is it time to ask questions about the Americans' future? Um, I have the uh, I have the race fans article going over had uh, to teammate comparisons, teammate battles from the season. Uh, the Williams ones headline reads as follows. There's no doubt where the most one sided teammate contest is. And folks, I'll tell you that since this article was published after the summer break kicked in, it is not particularly got any better. Double diving well, up. It's it's a triple donut. Oh. 12, 12, 12 0 in qualifying, 9 0 in race results, uh, now 21 0 in points scored. Uh, I don't have the laps ahead, but at the summer to break, it was 548 to 28 when both cars were running off the track. Yikes. Christ. Dude. Okay. I, I said it like when we were talking about this earlier. Like, if, if Williams were still. As bad as they have been at the absolute depths of this rebuild and retooling, like Logan Sargent would probably get like more of a break. But like, mm. this is good now. Williams is yeah, good. They're no longer on. a better last because they're not last anymore. No, clearly not. Now, there's, now there should be expectations on Logan Sargent to score points semi regularly, at least if not every race, then like every two, three, four races. Yeah, I, I mean, look, like, as James Valls has talked about, which said it before, we'll say it again, he is doing the Lord's work at that team. It's been outstanding. Um, yeah. He arrived from Mercedes and described most of their facilities as at minimum 20 years old. They were rendering out their aerodynamics on a Power Macintosh G4, <laughs> of which I own one. Um for those who don't know, that's the Mac, that's the Mac with the fancy colors. Shout out to the goat. Oh, that, that's post fancy colors, but pre metal. Oh, shout gosh. out to the goat. Uh, but man, Alex Albon is him right now. He's been fantastic, yeah. and that's and that's another thing working outside of Logan's favor. It's just like teammates so driving good. out of his fucking skin. He's been the, one of the drivers of the year, and the other rookies are doing fantastic. Like. Okay, Nick DeVries didn't work out. 
but Lawson's, Lawson been, great. Right Lawson's been great in a small sample size and Piastri over the season has been so good. He's borderline overrated. He's been the first person to give Lando Norris a bloody nose in the same car in quite a while. Not since Carlos signs four years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, so, the, the, the worst thing I can say about Piastri is that he doesn't always execute as well as he could. He's a bit mm-hmm. clumsy. But that's he can a be clumsy, but also this race wasn't exactly his fault because Lewis Hamilton murdered this man in cold blood going into the second chicane. <laughs> he did apologize um, to him, though. He did. He did. Fair he play did. to Lewis. He, he did come over it. and apologize. He owned it completely. Fair play to him. Um, but yeah, like, there's things that are probably making Sargent's time at Williams look worse than it actually is because at the end of the day, the dude's still a rookie. But... That's just how it is when you've also got a rookie class that has been, DeVries aside, surprisingly strong this year. Yeah, I, I can only echo the sentiment that you guys have come out with. Um, everything you could potentially put against Logan Sargent has gone against him. In like Alex Albon is an established, really good driver who has got better part of 100 starts now to his name. You have and, to think that he has like a well of experience relative to Sargent because right. Albon's not been here for that long. No, Dude, he, he was outside the DTM after after his Red Bull stint ended. Right, yeah. he was out for a year too, and like Albon has completely rebuilt his career via Williams, and he's picked up where Russell's left off. He has become the vocal point and leader of this team, and he's been outstanding this season. Like that's that's one thing that's gone against him. Albon has been better than ab- than advertised. Like as you said, the other rookie class, the rest of the rookies in this class outside of it, the freeze have been brilliant. Oscar Piastri is exactly what McLaren has needed um, since Ricardo was gone, and Liam Lawson, yes, limited sample size, has ticked every box you could put in for a stand in so far. Like you couldn't have reasonably asked for more than out of Liam Lawson than he's given you so far since he got here. That's going to make Logan Sargent run out of excuses very quickly. Now, I would say this. I think Sargent has had a couple of genuinely good races. I think he, I think Bahrain, he was excellent. He was only eight seconds behind Albon on the road when he finished. I think it was 12th on that day. I thought, okay, there might be something here. But like... He, he struggled after that, but then I thought, well, okay, let's go back to the tracks he did in Formula 2, and you think, okay, maybe it'd be a bit better there. He wasn't. Like, Baku, he was dreadful, for example, and, you just, and you're sitting here going, well... beyond the pace, it's like, he's made a, a couple of really clumsy errors. Um, yeah. I mean, last time out, not in the race, that wasn't his fault, but in qualifying, I mean, he chucked the car at a wall. First time into Q3, just wiped the car out. Yeah, it's not ideal. What I would say is is that, and this is not Sergeant's fault, the standard of driver is now so high in Formula One. Rookies are now expected to get a foothold immediately, otherwise they're going to be deemed as not good enough. Mick Schumacher was essentially one and done. Yuki Tsunoda's career is still hanging by a thread right now. Sonoda for me, I said this on Twitter yesterday, Sonoda is the baseline of what a good rookie is supposed to be now in Formula 1 because for the last six or seven years, the rookies have become the integral backbone of this sport. Verstappen, Leclerc, Norris, Russell, Albon, Gasly, Ocon, well, and, Sainz. And the previous, 
and the previous two quote unquote worst drivers in F one. Well, Nikita Mazepin should have never been here. Um, right. Also, fuck that guy. Uh, and Latifi, nice dude. Wasn't good enough. Not not really Formula One level. Um, right. Now, at the end of the day, you like for as much shit as get talked gets talked about F one drivers who don't perform up to standard. Yeah. The worst F1 driver is still really, really good. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I, I always feel like in most people's eyes, if you're not an elite Formula 1 driver, you are not fit to drive the parts delivery truck at insert auto parts store chain in your country here. But, like, I've always said that, like, dude, the worst drivers of today would crush the worst drivers of your childhood, my childhood. Oh yeah. Unless uh, unless they drive an F two, which they might be right at home after this weekend. <laughs> uh, mother of God. Don't, don't even get me started on that. Don't even. I was gonna say like like the standard is so goddamn high, and like look, Fio Porcher can't get in. Felipe Drogovic never had a prayer of getting in. Like that's the level that we're at now, where dominant F two champions, like now are not guaranteed a place on the grid. Oscar Piastri was not guaranteed a place on the grid, and he I, did the F3, F2 double in his rookie years in both. Yeah, yeah he, that, he, he, he had to sit on the bench not- for a year because he signed with Alpine, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Alpine Academy well, Common Success, baby. The, the, Alpine, the, the, Alpine the worst... Academy. The worst driver academy in Formula One. Change my mind. <laughs> right along to go with their power unit, because man, that uh, that thirty-five plus that they're down was on display this weekend. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, 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 to put a neat bow on this, I what I would say is is that the unfortunate thing for Logan Sargent is if you're James Vowles, there's a really, really obvious thing you can do here, and that's give your old mucker Toto Wolf a call and say, what's it going to take to put Mick Schumacher back in a car? Yeah. It's easy. It writes itself. Everybody wins. Toto's gushed about how good Mick Schumacher is as a simulator and as a reserve driver. He said he would he would put Mick in one of his main cars in a heartbeat if somebody got, I, I love the joke, he said, avocado poison into Lewis Hamilton um, because he's <laughs> vegan now, which I thought was quite funny. Um, hey, don't joke about that. My my partner, it has avocado allergies. Oh, God, no, fuck. Oh, God. Um, we're going back to fish poisoning, as, as he said in his original quote. Um, but I was saying, like, the point is, is that Toto has gushed about Mick Schumacher, about how good he is and how he'd be good enough to drive one of his cars right here and now. If you wanted to get Mick back in a race car, You've got a technical partnership with Williams already. James Vowles is your old boy. You know he's going to be in good hands because Vowles was hinted at as being a future Toto successor. He's done 20 years at Brackley. He worked his way up for being an engineer to being head of Mercedes strategy. He knows how to run a team. I think yeah. he's actually hurt Mercedes by not being there anymore. His presence, his, his lack of presence has been felt at a Mercedes setup. And if you're James Vowles, knowing you actually have a car that can compete for points on a semi-regular basis and your other car can't score, you might not have the time to be able to develop Logan Sargent as a driver anymore. Yeah, you, you, help help me help you situation. Right. Everybody wins. Like, like, this is a mutually beneficial arrangement for everybody involved. Nobody loses it, except for, except for Logan, unfortunately. But... 
And even then, Williams has got a loaded academy back there too. They've got Zach O'Sullivan back there. They've got Franco Cotapinto, um, who you know should have, was real close to the Formula Three title last year. Zach O'Sullivan's a decent F two driver. Look, they've got bullets in the chamber in F in in their academy as well. It's stacked at the moment. They're, in the next two years, they're going to be cooking for, for for opportunities for their for some of their academy seat guys down there as well. So, like. Logan needs to step up and quick because, like, let me put it this way. I heard Vals talk about Williams. He was interviewed during Saturday qualifying on Sky Sports. He was very non-committal about Logan in the future. He was, he talks like a dad, Vals. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a nice, endearing way. But he was like, well, you know, this is part of a project. We've got long-term goals. We've got long-term aims. Logan's got to develop and get... He he was very... Like, like Lazenby asked him straight up, is Logan going to be in your car next year? And James couldn't give him a straight answer. It's 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 a tough break, man, and I, I feel bad for Logan because I, I kind of like walking into that team with higher expectations than people thought, and Alex Albon being as good as he has been, he's a dead man walking, and that's the un. It's really hard to get a foothold in that sort of scenario. It's very unfortunate, but that's F one for you sometimes, and. Unfortunately, I can't think of a single good reason to keep Logan if Mick Schumacher is available. That's just the unfortunate scenario of the situation. Unless you're that confident that Mick's going to wreck some more cars, which Logan for Steiner thought. So, I don't know. You tell me. Well, given how that guy's running Haas right now, I don't think his opinion's worth very much. Oh. <laughs> surname merchant. Oh, surname merchant. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's it's it, it's it's tough out here. Formula One is back in a week and a half's time at the Singapore. We Grand. get a break. A we get a little bit off. of a break. Get yeah. a little break right into the race that usually breaks the two-hour limit. Yay! Singapore still with a one hundred percent safety car record in going back to two thousand and eight when it first got on the calendar. We've had a safety car every year. In fact. I don't normally come out with betting advice, but you can get six to one on there being no safety car at Singapore this year. Always worth a flutter. I always say it's always worth a bet. Um, this, this, well, yeah, this- you probably just got that stat off of Wikipedia. Well, I don't know if Wikipedia does gambling odds personally. I'd be very concerned if it did. <laughs> I'd, I'd, be, I'd be nervous if gambling odds were on Wikipedia, let me tell you. Right, next episode will be MotoGP on Catalonia. Oh boy, we got some shit to get through there. Good God, help us all. Uh, that's not going to be as that's not going to be quite as chirpy as this episode, but uh, shit's got to be done. We'll see you for that episode. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Cam Buckley. Until next time, sayonara. Later, y'all. can't get that image after the race of the Red Bulls quite literally dancing on Ferrari's logo around the track on the cooldown lap. <laughs> <laughs>